All right, welcome into episode 113 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast. A special episode as we are joined now by the Fiesta Bowl Parade Grand Marshal Shane Doan. You might also remember him from uh, 21 years in the NHL. Pretty good career. Shane, it's great to talk to you. We appreciate this. What is life like now for Shane Doan? Um, it's good. I've, I'm, I'm pretty happy, pretty comfortable. And Luke, it's actually 22 years, and everyone says it's 21. It's 21 seasons, but it's 22 years because the Laka year that didn't count. But it was a year of my life, so I figure it's a year that I was in the NHL. So you were not in the lockout-solving business for the first lockout. (laughs) I was not in it at all. Okay. (laughs) Wow, we almost had it solved right at the very end, and then it fell apart again. (laughs) <laughs> Seriously, your your day today sounds like it's indicative of what life has been like for you. You you are coming from a lunch, is that correct? For your for Andrea's birthday, and I think you're going to pick up yes. your daughter. Yes, I am right now. Yes, <laughs> your family that's guy. Exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make up for missed time. So, um, but enjoying it, enjoying it a lot. Shane, this I'm just going to jump to the question I've always wondered. Uh, now that you're retired, are you going to play pickup hockey somewhere at some point? I know you've mentioned that you're never going to leave the game. I think a lot of people around Arizona are wondering if they have to, to get out of your way if they're going to be playing adult league hockey here in the next 15 years. A hundred percent I will play pickup hockey. A hundred percent I will be playing somewhere, somehow. I'm um, not sure when, not sure where, but a hundred percent I will be playing for sure. Are you going to play the same style? Nope. I will be a defenseman. And I will be a puck. <laughs> A puck-carrying defenseman from the blue line. Okay. What about in the corners? No, no. Someone else can go in there. <laughs> I have a hard time picturing that. Need... Unless it's a close game. Unless it's a close game. <laughs> All right. The qualifiers are coming out already. Once the competitive juices get flowing. <laughs> yeah. That, well, I mean, hey, you got to figure out a way to win. I, have, I didn't win enough as the, in the NHL, so I got to win in, in uh, rec league, I guess. <laughs> the truth comes out. Hey, I got to ask you, what were your emotions last week when training camp started? Um, you know what? I flew to Columbus for my son's hockey tournament the day of the camp on Thursday morning, and I was probably the happiest I've ever been to be distracted by a hockey tournament. <laughs> I, it was it was hard. I mean, it's not. It's it's just a different a different. Um, anytime anybody has change, I think it's always difficult. And just like everybody else, um, I was I have some issues with it. But at the same time, I'm really excited, and I'm trying to focus more about what's ahead and behind. And it's impossible kind of to do that all the time. But for the most part, I'm being successful at it. Do you have something special planned as the Grand Marshal of the Fiesta Bowl Parade? Are you going to ride one of your horses? We were, some of us were wondering. I'm trying if you, to con- go ahead. I'm trying to convince them to let me do that. I'm trying to convince them to let me ride a horse in it. That's I hope they'll let me ride a horse in it. Uh, wouldn't that be awesome? It would be incredibly I awesome. Think, <laughs> I think that would be cool. So you're, you're the Grand Marshal. You should be maybe. able to dictate the rules, right? Yeah, I think that's what you. Yeah, isn't that actually? You know what? Good point. Maybe I get to make a rule. No, I don't. I, I, it's such a cool honor. When I look at all the people that have done it already, that is such a cool group of people. Like, people that I really admire. and I, People, not just the athletes, but some of the people that have went through some times and the way that they've been honored by the Fiesta Bowl. The Fiesta Bowl has done an incredible job of 
of picking the, the, the people carefully and trying to honor people that, that I think should be honored. And for them to call me was something that was pretty special. What, what does this entail? What are your duties? I think I wave to people. So, <laughs> Just look good. I, I think, I, I think, well, that they might be asking a little bit much if they're going to ask me to go out there and look good, but I can wave. I can <laughs> smile and nod and wave. Hey, Craig, that's my, that's probably my strength is smiling and nodding and waving. That'd be one of the, if you were to list three things that I can do, those are probably three of them. It's going to be like the, the Queen of England wave, which is the slow back to forth of the yeah. hand. Yeah, you go. I was trying to work on that a little bit because, I don't know. I did just watch the the TV series The Crown, so uh, I don't know. We'll see. You have always thanked this this community for the support that they provided you. Heck, you've thanked us in the media, which you know we don't get that a lot, so we appreciate that. <laughs> but I'm wonder. I've always wondered this about a player of your stature in a community. Are you fully aware of the stature that you carry in this community? Are you aware that you are in fact a valley icon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I, I'm, I don't. I think I'm aware that that I've received a lot more respect and admiration than people with a lot more talent have got. And I'm trying to. I, I, I'm not. I'm not unaware of that. I'm very grateful, and I don't. Uh, I don't take that for granted because. I mean, I look at the people that have kind of came through, and I'm so impressed with them, and and yet uh, I've stuck around for so long. It's kind of like people almost feel like at times I'm part of, you know, people tell me it's, it's you're part of like living here because it's kind of always been that way for so long for the last few years, and that's cool. I I, I do appreciate that, and I'm very humbled by that. I've known you for a long time, obviously, but I'm I'm curious if that stature carries with it. A certain amount of pressure to, I guess, to always live by a certain standard, which I think you live by anyway. But does it carry an extra amount of pressure when, when you're in that sort of spotlight? Um, I've never looked at it as pressure. I I look at it as there's an element of accountability for sure. Like, you know, there's a definite level of accountability in the fact that hey, um, you've been given something that's your responsibility and you have to be accountable to that and i i appreciate it and i don't i don't view it as a, as a pressure or anything but i am aware of at times that you know we need to be accountable for the way that you are shane when if you that makes sense yeah it totally makes sense when you look at just your career in general maybe not even in the nhl but i've always sort of wondered this about somebody that's been in the league for 22 years uh who are some of the biggest (laughs) biggest characters you ever uh, met either as teammates or played against or who who stands out to you the characters like people that you're like wow that guy was out there yes like different yes first guy i will when anyone you think about the guys that you most recently played with for sure so you kind of go through that group, and I think Biz, Paul Bissonnette, and Keith Yandel, those are two guys that I I enjoyed their uh, their personalities probably as much as I enjoyed, you know, a lot of guys um, as being different. Different, they're a little bit different than everybody else. Ilya Brzgalov was probably um, he attempted to be as far out there as you could possibly be. He's actually a really smart guy, and 
he's smart enough to think that he would get more attention by being a little bit weird. And I think he at times tried to do that. And then at times he is a little bit weird, but he's a guy that was, that was definitely um, out there, but really a smart guy and a guy that I, he was as polarizing as anyone I've ever played with. And I enjoyed him. And there's times when he was a little bit of a headache, but then there's times when he was really unbelievable. We still got you there. Yeah. I, oh, did okay. you guys lose me? No, no, we're, no, you're, we're you're there. I, we just had some dead air, which, okay, we, okay. which we'll cut out of the podcast. Okay. We won't, we'll, we'll enhance it. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> and here, while we've got you, I got to ask you this too. The whole experience last year with Larry Fitzgerald coming out and ice skating at practice, uh, obviously you were a major reason why he was willing to do that, but that was surreal for everybody watching. What was it like to have a future, one of the best NFL players ever out there on ice skates? And he said it was basically the first time he had ever skated. Well, I thought growing up in Minnesota, you might have skated a little bit. But then once he got on the ice, I was <laughs> realized he had it. Um, and you know what? He's so unarming. Like, he doesn't make you feel like when you're around him, you're like you're around just a total normal guy. And I I, en- I enjoy Larry so much. And um, it was kind of cool. And I I probably, as much as I'd laughed on the ice for a while there as I, in the last few years, was just watching him. He actually had better. He had pretty good hands. He, he actually hit the puck. Usually, guys struggle when they're trying to keep their balance to hit the puck and get anything on it. But a couple times, he got some pretty good wood on it. And then uh, he's got huge feet too. Man, he had I think size 13 shoes or something, mm-hmm. or 13 skates, which is really abnormal. But that was one of those moments that you know when you saw the pictures and stuff. I you don't remember and something that I'll be able to laugh and talk about for sure. And going back kind of a little bit to that sense of community and, and the role that you've played in it, and you know Larry Fitzgerald as well. I remember asking you a couple years back, you know, why do you stop after the game to talk to fans? You know, why are you always making sure that every single person gets talked to? And you just quite simply just said because it's the right thing to do. It, it, it <laughs> might it might be the right thing to do, but I would say it's not exactly the most common thing that's done in, in the sports or entertainment world. If you could expound upon that a little bit, why is that so important to you? Is there a story from your childhood where you met one of your favorite athletes? Is there, is there something more that connects you that says, I want to be more than just uh, an athlete on the ice? I want to be something more. Yeah, there's a guy that played for the the Eskimos. His name was Mike Stutzel, I think it was his last name. I, I really I can't even remember his last name. But I got to go to a game, and he didn't play that much in the game but he was on specialty teams. And while I was there, my friend, my actually, my cousin was like, Hey, we're, I know him. We're going to get to meet him after the game. And he came out. And as I was walking and we met and we talked and I was blown away because I loved the Eskimos and the CFL at the time and still do, but uh, especially then. And as I was walking away, he just said, I'll talk to you. See you, Shane. And I turned around and I like, got, ah, thanks, Mike. We'll see you later. Like we were best friends. <laughs> And I told every one of my friends for probably the next little while, like in the most casual way that me and him were tight, like not tight, but like, oh yeah, we're friends. Like we're good. And I was like probably 10 or 11 years old and I never, ever forgot it. I don't know why it had such a, the fact that he remembered my name and sat there and talked to me for a second. Um, and he probably didn't remember my name, you know, 10 minutes later, but he made a point of saying who my name and addressing me directly instead of just being like, yeah, I'll sign your autograph for you and I'll be here for you, but really you're 
kind of just in my way. It, it changed. It was probably one of the most the unique moments that I'd had as a as a kid and as an kind of that wanted to be an athlete, and I never forgot it. And I'll try to do it as much as I can always to everybody. Yeah, and, and that's a common theme we hear from from a lot of Coyotes fans of how easy it is to have a conversation with Shane Doan, how it how you make them feel like, oh, you, we're old friends. This is a conversation we have all the time. And it's, it's kind of referred to as everyone's got a Shane Doan story, and it's meant always in a positive sense. Jimmy Jimmy O'Neill, our security, our security uh, guy that works with the team, he gets so tired of it. <laughs> about, I don't know, it's probably about eight to ten years ago. He was giving it to me about something, and I was like, "Jimmy, it's just one fan at a time, bud. We're just going to do this one fan at a time." <laughs> so for the next ten years, he would say it after I'd be leaving, because he'd always have to stay and walk or do whatever, and make sure I was all right. And then he'd smile at me and be like, "One fan at a time, right?" I was like, "Yeah, one fan at a time. There we go." <laughs> so uh, it, it's one of those things that I enjoyed, and and it's not like it was anything that was that much harder. I just I. I wanted to understand what people are thinking and what, you know, their experiences as well. I have to ask you about Rick Tockett because you were his teammate as well. Curious what he was like, first of all, as a teammate, and now what you think he might bring as a coach. As a teammate, he was amazing. Um, One of the most, uh, just, he cared about everybody in the room, everybody in the room. Like I thought he was like one of my good friends, and then you talk to 23 guys in the room, and they're like, "Oh yeah, he was he was one of my good friends too." Like and you realize he just he made everyone feel that way, which is uh, such a unique talent. And then he was intense, and he was hard, and he's all those things. And yet at the same time, he he was just a gentleman. Like he was a good guy, and I think he's going to be amazing as a coach. I really I had him as an assistant coach um, with Wayne. I guess back in like 06 or 07 or right around that time. And I, it was obvious he was going to become a head coach. And and then talking to people since he went on to Pittsburgh and, and talking to him as well, he's kind of even gotten better at what he does. And I think he's going to do a great job. He, he brings, he's an NHL player person. He's an NHLer. Do you know what I mean? Like he's a real NHLer. And there's a level of competency. Uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Competency that goes with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really like that he's. I think he's going to be great. And him and Stan are tight, so that helps. Yeah, for sure. I, I know that you're. You're. You know, some some players just play the game. They don't watch it at all. Uh, you're. You're not that guy. You're always paying attention to what's going on around the league. Who are a couple of your favorite players to watch around the NHL? Oh well. I'm the two young guys from last year. That was unbelievable to watch the two of them, Line and, and Matthews. I'm a huge Matthews fan. I think he's 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 so he's so good at the little areas of the game and does so many things so well that he's going to even if he's not scoring 40 goals like he did last year, he's going to be a huge, huge you know contributor to your team and help your team be better, which is. I mean, and he's a centerman, so I'm a big fan of Matthews, line A. Um, on the blue line, uh, Carlson, I mean, that guy, that pass he made in the playoffs yeah. and the pickup by Hoffman, where I would have been so scared of that pass landing on my stick because I'm like, great, now you have to do something with this play. <laughs> like, he just made an unbelievable, this is going to be a, every highlight, the pass, 
So you have to finish it, and the way Hoffman finished it was pretty special. Um, those 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 three guys. If you're picking a couple of young guys and a and a, and a defenseman, and then obviously Sidney Crosby and McDavid. I mean, those two. The, the obvious ones. Those guys are incredible. I really like Tarasenko too in uh, in St. Louis. I love his shot and the way he plays, and maybe that Wilson in uh, in Washington. How hard he plays. I like that style and the way that he. He finishes everything. Hey, when you look at the league this year, heading into this season, uh, we were just talking about this actually uh, on a previous podcast. Uh, does the Western Conference look as wide open to you as it does to us? We're, we're really having a hard time figuring where everyone slots this season. Well, yeah, because I, I don't. I think you gotta you gotta appreciate how good Anaheim is and the fact that they they had a pretty good run and Nashville made it to the Cup Finals. But you got to be looking at what Chicago is capable of. You have to take a look at Dallas because they're what they did in the off season is just incredible. LA's due to be better if they can keep some guys healthy. If Quick's healthy, they're going to be a team. And San Jose's was in the Cup Finals two years ago, and they've added some pieces that I really like too, and some young guys. So. I, I, I couldn't tell you what the order is going to be. And Edmonton, everyone thinks Edmonton's the second best team in the league or they got the second best odds in the league. And I, I, don't, I don't really know who's going to finish where. I, don't, I have no clue. I don't remember. I think Winnipeg's Go got a great team too. Winnipeg looks really good. Yeah, that's a team we've been expecting to take the next step forward for a while. And it just, I don't remember a time where the West just felt so wide open. And maybe it, part of it is because L.A. and Chicago have, you know, they've gotten a little bit older. They had some success. So there's sort of this turning over of the Western Conference where you have some teams on the rise and then some established contenders who have may, maybe taken one step back. So you're, you're sort of wondering what the pecking order is going to be now with, with all this shifting taking place. Yeah, because when I first came in the league, it was, it was Detroit, Colorado, and Dallas. And they kind of, you know, nobody really had any success. St. Louis bumped in there for a little bit, but that was it. And then slowly it turned into Chicago and and L.A. And now you're kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. I don't think Chicago is done yet by any means. And I think that Dallas has has made some good moves, and I think they're capable. Um, They're probably one good defenseman away from being as a legit, legit, like, top, you know, top top contender in the league Shane you were somebody that I mean it, it was never a doubt you were always giving the full hundred percent if not more I know that sounds cliched but to those of us that saw you play day in and day out I mean that was it was never an issue with you and yet we always hear that the playoffs are a whole different game so as somebody that played in the playoffs you went to the Western Conference Finals what what is different does everybody just find a new level they didn't have for the first 82 games yeah it's impossible to play the 82 games because it's an adrenaline rush and it's you know what it is? This is a, the best way to explain it. Is it turns all the old guys into eighteen-year-olds, <laughs> and now you under and you you understand the game and you see the game. Like you watch an a an eighteen-year-old, like you watch when Ovechkin first came into the league, and he is it is amazing to watch him. Or you watch Crosby the when they came into the league, and any of the young guys, their first fifteen games. That's not hard. Like that's the easy time. Maybe first twenty-five games, you're like, this is it's your Stanley Cup. Like this, it doesn't get better than that. It doesn't get any better than that. You've just made the NHL. 
for the very first time, the enthusiasms and the just novelty of it, it carries you and you don't have to work at it. And then as you get playing in the league longer and longer, that kind of wears off. It's impossible to keep it up at that high level. But when you put somebody in the playoffs, oh, that, that, that emotion and that enthusiasm comes back and you can't fake it. You just can't. You can't trick yourself into thinking, you know, I'm going to do this during the regular season for 82 games. It just doesn't work. I know we're jumping all over the map here, but, you know, we've talked to him quite a bit in the last few days and and none of us really knew what was going on with Oliver ekman Larson until he was gone last season. You saw it firsthand. You were tight with him. How hard was last season on OEL, Shane? Oh, man. It did really seem fair. Like, and he was so conscious about not telling anybody and not being, you know, just... He was just, that was a hard, hard year for him. And he didn't have the offensive, offensively the year that he wanted. And I think it just started to pile up. And then he got kind of behind in the plus minuses. And his safety of coming to the rink and being, not having to think about everything that was going on in his life with his mom was, was kind of getting heavy too. And when that happens and it's, it's not fun. And, uh, yeah, I was so impressed with him as a young man and the way he handled that. Um, and I felt for him. He wanted to help him, and there's there's just nothing you can do. He's he's walking through something that's heavy, and that nobody should really have to walk through at that age, and be that far away from it at the same time. And um, I felt for him. What could what I could, was impressed. What, what could you do? What what did you do? At, you know, as someone was close to him. You're right. There's. Their, their words fail in situations like that. But what'd you try to do? I told him, I, I told him to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I told him that in the grand scheme of everything in in his career, of of he's going to play however many games he plays, so many games, he's not going to remember missing five, ten games here or there. And yet he was still, he's like, no, I know what my mom would want and this is what she'd want. And uh, so he, he honored her, he honored her with that. And it was, it was really, really impressive. Yeah, you can tell OEL is one of those guys that has learned a lot from you and you can tell he's just a special guy as well. I, I know I keep looking back at your career, but in terms of, of on the outside looking in, I know you have your own moments that stand out. The one that really stands out to a lot of us is that hat trick against the Islanders. When, if I recall, Ray Whitney just wouldn't let you leave the ice. Where does that rank for you? <laughs> you know what? It, it ranks up there a ways. It was one of those things that I knew that I was getting towards the end of my career and that things weren't, you know, and I still played a few more years after that, but at the same time, it was, it was you know, I knew that I was being as effective as I wanted to be was probably a little bit behind me. And I'd, I don't know. It was, it was really special. And yeah, when I, when I kind of got the puck to shoot it, I could barely move my arms because I was so tired because Ray had given me probably four or five passes. Well, everyone had, and the crowd was so into it. And it was kind of a nothing game. It was against the Islanders. We were up five or four one and, 
but everyone stuck around and everyone was cheering and there was kind of an excitement. It was really a cool moment and one of those things that I'll never forget for sure. I think that is my favorite game story that I've ever written off of that. And, and of course, Ray Whitney providing color. I, I think he described the, the, the knob that you had. He, he called it your axe handle. The, the stick that you yeah, were it using. was. <laughs> I'd hurt. I'd bro. I'd hurt my hand and shoulder, so I had to use a different type of knob, and it was, it was kind of bizarre. And they were all giving it to me. It wasn't just Ray. It was him and Keith Yandel. Well, and actually, Yans was probably more excited about me scoring than anyone in the whole building. Like. It was hilarious. He came running over across the ice after when the puck had went in. Or actually, because they had to go and make sure that it crossed the line yeah, before. That's right, it went to Toronto. And he came, yeah, he came flying across with more excitement and more enthusiasm than anyone. And I was like, holy cow, this is, this is hilarious. This is funny because that's just his personality to be like that. So and he hammed it up and it was awesome. And, and if I remember correctly, in, in a very Shane Doe moment, you apologized to Evgeny Nabokov once the shot went in because it was a, a blowout. Yeah, because I felt, I mean, he left the ice like he didn't even stick around. Like it didn't matter if the horn had went or it didn't. And I felt, you know, you never want to be in that situation where he, it was it was awkward just because he was in a situation where it was a 4-1 game and here's a guy trying to score. Like, come on. I've been upset with people. And I understand. Patrick's are special and 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 I wouldn't want, you know, to be embarrassed. And now I thought that was embarrassing. 5-1, I've been beat a lot worse than that and a lot more often than he has ever been beat that bad. So, um, but I did feel kind of awkward with that. Shane, you're never going to make it in rec league hockey if you're not willing to run the score up. That's like rule number one. <laughs> well, I that if you, I am the worst player if we're up a bunch. I am terrible <laughs> if the game is two or three goals up. I'm not a very good player. So yeah, I might struggle in rec hockey. I'm thinking about that. I'm a little worried about it actually. <laughs> I, I know you follow the other teams around the valley. This is this last one I got to ask you. The Arizona Diamondbacks are playoff bound, or it, it sure looks like it. Uh-oh. How far do you see that team going this year? How far can they go, I guess? Well, as long as LA can hold off Washington and then we get another, we get a shot at LA, I think if they have to play Washington, it might be tough. And it might be tough to beat Gray in the first game because I'm sure he's going to pitch for them. And Colorado came in here and showed that they could win here. So by no means are you overlooking them. But I think they can go away. How about if they beat the Dodgers and the Cubs? That'd be nice. That'd be awesome. <laughs> and that'd be fun. That'd oh, be fun yeah. to watch. It'd be a lot of fun. I'll be at those games. If they're in the playoffs, I will be at those games. Nice. Okay. And, and kind of sticking with the other sports themes, it was kind of a yearly tradition. You and Keith Yandler would make your Super Bowl picks during during some of the games in February. <laughs> oh, we too here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. But I wonder, who, who are you keeping an eye on this year? Who do you like in the NFL? Well, it's the year of the redemption, so you got to figure it's, it's got to be Atlanta. Nice. Okay. I mean, everybody that, you know, I don't know. I think I'm hoping for them. I like their team, and they look good so far. Um, I don't know if they can uh, if they can do it, but the NFL, good luck picking the teams in the NFL. If they try to pick the teams the NFL. Do you have a motorcycle? Are you on a racetrack or something? <laughs> yeah, I do. Cut. A Ducati just went by. No, I don't know what it is. I have no clue. I don't know anything about motorcycles. Right. Luke was going to ask you. one of those things. 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Luke was going to ask you a fantasy baseball question, but I advised him against it because I, I didn't think we had enough time to talk fantasy baseball with you. So. <laughs> I'm into the semifinals right now. I'm playing oh. Brutus LaBarbara in the semifinals. <laughs> I have to beat him. He's, if I beat him, it really doesn't matter what else happens. I, even if I lose in the finals, as long as I beat Barb. And uh, I, got a, I, got a, I got a pretty good team. Other than I got Harper. Oh, yeah. And he's hurt, so that's that's no good. And he's taking batting practice today, so you might get him back soon. Mm-hmm. We'll see. No, he's not going to start till the to the championship league. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Ah, <laughs> but, uh, that's okay. Well, Shane Doan, thanks so much for doing this. It, it was it's great to hear you're doing well. Good luck with everything, especially against Jason LaBarbera in the semis. And again, thanks for the time. <laughs> well, the Brutus Barber Beefcakes, that's his team name. They're going to go down. They're going to go down. So I'm really excited about, uh, about that. All right, Shane, thanks once again for doing this. We'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Shane. Thank you. That's uh, that's about what you get when you talk to Shane Doan. A little bit of everything. The guy, he, it's not just hockey. He loves every sport. He's, at, he's obviously at Bondurant right now. So <laughs> yes. well, his new career as a racer. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it, I think a lot of people, it's just good to hear that guy's doing well. I mean, that's that's one of those things where you guys both said it, and you can tell that it's not something he likes to focus on, but it gets brought up to him all the time. He just touched so many people around, not just the Valley. Like, people people look at, at what he's done for fans around the Valley and his teammates, but around the NHL. And you sort of alluded to it at the very beginning there, Craig, but there's a strong belief that he had a lot to do with ending one of the lockouts because of the respect he has around the league, both from players and people in the front office. Yeah, it's, it's more than a strong belief. He played a major hand, but yeah. he'll, he'll never talk about it. And it's the same with his icon status here in the Valley. He gets very sheepish about it, very, very modest about it. He doesn't like to talk about that. But when you think about the Coyotes' place in this market, and then you think about Shane Doan's place in this market, it's really remarkable the stature that he has because he's in that upper echelon, a a handful of athletes that carry that sort of status in Phoenix. And we use the phrase face of a franchise pretty liberally these days, but Mm -hmm. the the best example of that locally is clearly Shane Doan and the Coyotes. When you think of the Coyotes, you think of Shane Doan, you think of Shane Doan, you think of hockey in the Valley. Those are one in the same, and they have been for since they stepped foot here. It, that is a great way to, to look at it. And when he ended up officially retiring, what was it, about two or three weeks ago now, the reaction from everybody was like, this is one of the, the all-time greats in the Valley and somebody that everybody feels like they know retiring. And you take a step back, and we all love hockey, and I think a lot of us are connected to a lot of people in the community here that love hockey. So you kind of get in that, that bubble of just, if you love hockey, it's, it's, it's a life choice. Like, you're not ever going to go away from that. But you take a step back and you realize... We're talking about hockey in the desert, and yet Shane Doan is revered by everybody, whether they follow hockey or not, is one of really the two or three legends of all time in terms of sports in this city. Yeah, and and you look at a guy like Shane Doan, and and so often as sports fans nowadays, we have to balance the, man, this guy's really talented with, man, this guy's not a good person. And I think sometimes you, you it, it hurts your sports viewership. And that's never a balance you ever had to worry about with Shane Doan. You could, you could root for Shane Doan and know that he, as, as good as he was on the ice, he was an even better person. And I think that's something that 
we take for granted sometimes, and we're starting to see more often that it's it's not something that's very common. And we're very happy that there are players like Shane Doan that you can look up to, and your kids can look up to, and you can say, "This is somebody you should root for for both athletic and non-athletic reasons." Yeah, yeah I've always described him as the genuine article. He is literally mm-hmm. the same person, no matter whether he's talking to Wayne Gretzky or some five-year-old kid that's outside for an autograph. He's, he's the same guy. And he's constantly said throughout his career that he doesn't want to be defined as a hockey player. And so it'll be interesting to see now you know, what he does. I mean, you asked him about his everyday life right now. He's just being Shane Doan, the dad. And I tell you what, he sounds like he's enjoying it. You know, maybe that's not for everybody, but it's definitely for Shane Doan. This gives him more time for fantasy baseball. <laughs> yeah, he's he's locked in <laughs> on that. I don't know if you could he, if you can hear somebody glowing over the phone, but the second that we brought up his fantasy baseball team, uh, just there was just a just a glow. We could do a separate podcast. On yes, that. we should do a fantasy Shane baseball Dome podcast. Fantasy baseball. Yep. He knows the well, minor leaguers on the Kansas City Royals. He does. He's, it, takes it seriously. It's truly frightening the knowledge that he has. Yeah, yeah. All right, we got anything else here? I mean, Shane's not here, so now we're just talking about Shane. Yeah, nobody wants to hear us talk. Oh, okay. Well, then in that case, for Jamie Eisner, for Craig Morgan, thanks to Shane Doan for joining us. I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast.